Have you ever wondered what the heck is next for me? I hear a lot of women say they don't have what it takes to start something new or they are too old, but many women overcome all kinds of obstacles and then go on to something even better. Over the years, I've worked a lot of traditional jobs as well as direct sales businesses, but never realized the success I was hoping for until I released my emotional baggage. Once I had cracked the code of my emotions, I knew I could help other women do the same. Join us here as we chat with female experts as they share their inspirational stories and challenges in business and life, because it is never too late. I'm your host, Cora Naylor, and this is the Crack the Code podcast. Do you have your will, or is that something you've been putting off? Listen today while we chat with Billy Sinclair. I'm welcome, by the way, to the Crack the Code podcast. Billy has a career background in the financial industry. And after spending 20 years in brokerage and investing, she went back to school to get her teaching and coaching certification. For the last 20 years, her focus has been on financial literacy and teaching personal money management concepts to adults. And from there, we've gone on to other things. So welcome today, Billy. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me, Cora. Excited to chat with you. I know, especially around wills, I know so many people, you know, who don't have them, especially after having kids, you need to know what's going to happen. And I think there's a lot of fear around that. So we'll get into that in a few minutes around how all of that works. But maybe to get us started, you can just give us some background how you got into that. I know you've had some interesting things happen in your life, and that's changed the trajectory of where you were going. So we can give a, have a little background about Billy Sinclair. Sure. Thank you so much. And I love the way that you opened with that, because I like to say that it's no one's favorite topic. Mm-hmm. And we are all dazzled by favorite things. And so although, like you said, most people know that they should have one and they're thinking about it, it stays on the to-do list. It just never quite makes it to the top. And I don't mean never, but mostly never. And I myself, like you said, I had been coaching and teaching and personal money management actually about 15 years at the time. And and then sadly, my brother passed and he passed very suddenly. And I never thought about whether or not he had a will. And it was not something I taught, but I had my own will. And I just got it because I was in a networking chapter and there was a notary public there and I got it. But I don't know how much, you know, you want me to go into the story in a little bit later, but it turned out that because he didn't have a will, I discovered an incredible amount of, you know, really pain and anguish that a family will go through when one of their loved ones died without a will. And because I was at the effect of it, I really, and I'm a teacher, I really dove into this steep learning curve and ended up sharing it with others of the solutions that I found. Yeah. So did you, you were teaching, were you teaching financial things when you did your teaching before you got into the will stuff? Yes, exactly. Financial literacy, four basic topics, 110 page curriculum that we were teaching in adult education around our area. And very successfully, like we were an organization that was regularly called upon to come in and teach. But it just didn't, you don't know what you don't know. And I did not know what a big deal it was to not know about that topic. Yeah. Well, and I think a lot of us have 
don't necessarily have the background in financial issues as well. You know, we have parents who didn't teach us that stuff. A lot of us who have parents, you know, through the war years, they just hoarded things. They didn't talk about topics like planning finances or creating wills or anything for your future. How did you find that with the financial stuff? Was that mostly for adult based or was that for kids? It was all for adults. And I found that a lot of people did have comments such that, you know, I wish I had learned this when I was younger. But it's funny, you know, Cora, it's also one of those things, just like we were talking about wills, the financial topics hover around us. But again, they're no one's favorite topic. So we get very dazzled by the favorite things in life. And so oftentimes, even when financial concepts, you know, we're exposed to them, we don't necessarily want to dive into them and we don't want to learn them. But because I had been in the financial field from such a young age, I actually started with Merrill Lynch when I was 19. It was just like water to the duck. It was just so around me. I didn't have the fear around it. And it was I was a bit of a sponge, you know, so I just wanted to learn it all. And not that I made all perfect financial decisions in my life, but I just began to see that if I could normalize and make this topic a little bit more easier to swallow, then I could affect more people in a positive way. Yeah, I know. I mean, I've been telling everybody lately, I think, wouldn't it be great if by the end of high school, we could have financial training and, you know, get rid of our emotional baggage, which is what I help people with now. But, you know, a lot of us are dealing with that now later in life because we didn't get to deal with it then. And it's all stuff that happened to us from our younger years. But just imagine how much more confident we'd be going forward if we could have all of those tools with us. And I love that you're saying that because I actually feel like we're the generation that first saw that we need to pass on better stuff and we feel responsible for the next generations learning it instead of like you said, kind of hoarding it or kind of feeling like, well, my kids don't need to know my net worth. You know, my kids don't need to know about our stuff. We are the ones that changed that. And so our children, their lives probably look quite a bit different, our being this generation. And then their children, of course, their lives are also looking quite a bit different financially because we were willing to open that closed box. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see because a lot of them, I know with my kids, especially are sort of later getting started in life and they're not going to be going through, you know, working for 20 years for a company. The world is just so different right now. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that all spins out. Yeah, I definitely agree. Yeah. So tell us more. So your brother, he died quite tragically and quickly. And tell us some more about, you know, what happened during that time when you found out he had no will and what you kind of had to go through with that. Sure. Well, you know, when we say he died by tragically, it was by suicide. And so that was an extra entire emotional layer, of course. But he also, I was very close to him. He only lived 10 minutes away from me. So, you know, I I was his support network. And so when this happened, I was able to communicate with his landlord, for example, and with his employer and get some of those basics taken care of in spite of the emotional stuff that was going on. Those are like the practical things that you can't get out of. And then I contacted the CRA to let them know that he had passed. And at that time, they said, well, he's five years behind in his tax papers. Would you submit those? I submitted them. And wouldn't you know, he ended up getting a refund after his death. 
And that's when this all started. Because prior to that, he wasn't a car guy. He didn't have any money in the bank. He was working, but he had a cute little apartment that he paid you know, rent for. But who would have thought about the whole will thing? And then this check arrived in the mail payable to his estate for $6,000. And when I took this check to the bank, they were like, well, no, we can deposit it for you as a courtesy, but we can't cash it because we don't know who the money should go to. And like I said, this was the beginning. And I said to them, well, yeah, but I'm just a sister. You know, I don't need the money. Of course, I want the money. But what if I was a wife? What if the money that he had in his account, I couldn't access it. And that was how we paid our rent. And they're like, yeah, that's why people need a will. And I'm like, I don't think people know this because I didn't know this. And I've been teaching for such a long time. So I said to him, what should I do? And he said, we'll go see a lawyer. Okay, I thought, you know, problem solving happening. And so I went to see the lawyer and they explained the the court system and how I had to let the courts know that I was the person who should administer my brother's affairs and get their permission. And that sounded like a pretty good idea. And then the lawyer said, okay, we'll do that for you. We just need a $5,000 retainer. And we charged $300 an hour. And so again, another layer of complexity because there was only $6,000 here. So again, I was like, but a family can't do this. If you work for me for 20 hours at $300 an hour, this whole $6,000 is going to you. So honestly, Cora, for many months, I just did nothing. I couldn't find a solution. I just figured a solution would present itself. I left the money sitting in the bank safely. And I just went on about my search. And were you already doing your will training at that point? Nope. Nope. That was what really started it. When I started to see just how difficult it makes life for the family left behind, that's when I actually went to my office and I said, guys, like we need to incorporate this. This knowledge has to be out there. We are the ones who are impacting a lot of people and, you know, credit and debt and goals and planning and banking and investing and consumerism and all these things. But we're leaving out this super important piece that we're kind of like we get people like me, we're getting blindsided. And not that I'm saying everyone that we teach does everything that we teach, but at least we can sleep at night saying, well, we shared it. And so that's when I started my search, my earnest education on wills and estates. Oh, that's great. I mean, it's important to do that. Like I said, I know so many people with kids, without kids. We had a similar situation in my brother's family where somebody passed with no will and you don't really realize how difficult it is for the people that are left behind. Just small things when there's no will or money that has to get paid to the government that you don't want to pay out. And just for people that are listening, if you're, we're in Canada, so the CRA is the Canada Revenue new agency, which is like similar to the IRS in the US. But there's so many places that money has to go, even if there's no money. Yeah. And I love that you said that people just don't realize the complexity because they make a lot of assumptions. Well, if something happens to my husband, of course, everything will go to me. That's what they think. And maybe if when people have a lot of resources, maybe they're more likely to have a will. And I don't mean like celebrities that die without a will. We hear those stories too. Mostly the point is that we think we're going to have more time. It's not that people are bad at living. It's just that we all want to have more time. Like it's too soon for me to do a will, right? That's what we all hope. And so once a person has a small amount of assets, As I said, when the lawyer asked me for a $5,000 retainer, I was like, well, wait a second. What if this check was only $4,000? Like, how are we supposed to proceed? 
And so it, it took me about eight months until I found this solution that I started shouting from the rooftops. Yeah. And so now how do you help people who, you know, come to you because they don't have a will? What are some tips that we need to do? Well, there are different laws in different places. And of course, I'm not a lawyer, so I never give legal advice, but I do want people to check and see what are the rules in their jurisdiction. For example, in Alberta, you can write a will and sign it virtually with the lawyer on the computer. You can't do that in BC, at least not yet. So, you know, laws are always changing and procedures are always changing. And so here in BC, as an example, we can write a will and we do not need a lawyer's say-so. We can write a will. We can complete what basically is a questionnaire. We can sign it and have it witnessed by two friends who are not two humans, who are not, or two adults, who are not named in the will anywhere. They're just witnessing your signature. They don't have to read the will. And so although that's not as good, maybe, because maybe it wouldn't hold up in court as well. But if you feel like my family's okay, and we're not going to challenge each other and the siblings, we all get along. Unfortunately, sometimes that's what we think until the money situation presents itself. And then families start arguing and they're saying, well, mom would have wanted this. Well, dad would have wanted that. Well, uncle Jim would have wanted this. And now the next thing you know, there is conflict and then it has to go to court. So by laying things out specifically, as you said, in our will, at least to a certain degree, there could be less argument within the family because nobody can say, well, mom wanted this. Well, mom wanted what's written here. And legally, the executor is obligated to fulfill that wish. Now, an executor can change their mind and say, I don't want to do this job. I'm so done. I don't want to do this job. So there's a lot of complexity to this whole topic. But when I found a way to use legal advice and to have legal support, instead of just doing it on a napkin, or instead of just writing it up yourself and sticking it in the drawer somewhere. So when I discovered Legal Shield as a service, then I thought, okay, well, I could write it myself, or I could pay $800, which is what I paid before to get my first will done. Or I could use my Legal Shield membership, which is $32.95 a month, and having my will and powers of attorney drawn up for me with a lawyer's hand, then that seems to me like the best option. Yeah. And there is so much to it. I know my husband and I recently updated ours again, and he has a big family. So, you know, there's so many steps to how many people, if you're leaving stuff to, you don't really realize you think, oh, I'm just going to leave it to my kids or whatever. Well, what happens if your kids, what happens if one happens to one kid and not the other kid? And then what if they're both gone? And then there's a there's a lot of thought has to go into where things are going. It's not always just that cut and dried. And unfortunately, that also often stops people. I had someone reach out to me last month and he said, you know what? I haven't done my will yet. I'm not going to bother. And I said, why not? Like, I'll help you. Like, I'm here for you. I'll drive to your house. Like, we can sit at Starbucks. Like, why not? And he said, well, because it asked me some questions I don't have the answer to, which I'd have to get from my ex-wife. And I was like, but your new wife probably would like you to have your will. You know, you're the breadwinner in the family. So these are, you know, I can't make anyone do anything, nor would I try. But the complexities that are involved in the emotional piece, the, the logistical piece of actually doing the work. I've had a couple say to me, well, we may have twins, but we can't figure out who should be the guardian if something happened to the two of us. So we're not going to write a will. Yeah. 
And I said, okay, so what you're basically saying is that a court-appointed stranger would be preferable to a family member that you currently have, you know, on your list. And, and if that's the case, you know, I empathize, but I have a feeling that that wouldn't be the case, that you wouldn't want your twins to stay with this court-appointed stranger if they had the option to be with family. Right. And yeah, you know, and I think that's what we need to think about more is putting our family in the situation because it's already you're going to be very emotional. Yes. And you might not have the the emotion and the practicality to deal with what's going on. Never mind having to deal with that part like you must have gone through that with your brother. Like you're already so emotional from this happening. It's not like you knew they were dying or anything and you had some time to do some of the grieving beforehand. And now all of a sudden you get these huge decisions that have to be made and a lot of them cost money and you also have those emotions all lined up. So I think we need to kind of think ahead, like who's going to have to clean up our mess kind of thing. Well, I love that you mentioned that it costs money because that's a piece of the puzzle that people do not wrap their brain around. So for example, if I didn't want to spend $5,000 to get access to my brother's estate, someone's going to have to do that. And someone's going to have to spend three or $400 an hour to make this happen. And now I get it. Some people might say, well, I'll be gone. Whatever happens, happens. Okay, we're not talking to you. We're talking to the ones that actually do care. And because we do see tragedies that happen around us, it's been bad weather. We've had some terrible tragedies happen lately. We've seen lives lost, you know, more in the news. We've seen lives lost, you know, all year, all around us. And those people had families and those people are now dealing with some of these issues. And I'm telling you, Cora, if it wasn't for the fact that my brother had no car and he had no money in the bank, if it wasn't for the fact of that, and then what I ended up having to deal with. So, you know, we can't be fully prepared. We don't know things. You know what happens sometimes, Cora? Someone is living with someone. So that's considered common law. And they never quite divorce the person that they used to be married to. Yeah. Now, if something happens to them, that's a very complex situation where actually the wife has more rights, the original wife, than the current woman who might have been with this man for 10 years. So these are things that, you know, we like as a financial literacy educator, mm-hmm. you just want people to clean mm-hmm. things up. Like, let's right. just get these things off of the list yeah. so it's clean and we can go on and live our lives. Yeah. Well, like I said, it's not a fun thing to do. Nobody loves doing it. But yet, if we don't do it, it's one of those things that's always at the back of your mind, niggling around saying, man, I should do that. I should do that. But you don't do it. And so it's just always kind of bothering you, even though you don't know that it is almost. So just as we're wrapping up here, I know that you have a will kit that you would like to give to our listeners. What's the best way for them to get a hold of you to ask for that kit? Well, the best way to get the kit is by PDF, but they do have to have printing at home or printing, you know, printing access. So it'll be the questionnaire and a couple of handouts that explain some of the things like the top 10 reasons to have a will. And if they reach out to me by email, that is definitely one good way. And then even if they don't have printing, if they do reach out to me by email, I'm happy to send out a hard copy by Canada Post or, you know, United Post uh, Postal Service. Yeah, absolutely. And that was your Billy Sinclair at Hotmail? Is that the one that you said? 
So Billy Sinclair at hotmail.com. And of course, we'll have all the information in the show notes if you need to check that out later. But thanks so much for sharing all that with us today, Billy. It's been very educational. And I hope that this podcast can motivate some people who've maybe been on the fence about getting those wills done. And this will just be the final thing to say, yes, let's just get this done. So thanks so much for being here. And everybody, if you haven't got it done yet, get it done because it's never too late. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please submit a rating and review and share us with your friends. Visit my website, coranaylor.com to learn more about the Emotion Code or sign up for my free virtual co-working sessions. 